If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Having a good night? Something, I don't know, it's a lot different tonight than it was last night. It's, uh, it's almost like last, like tonight we're playing for you and last night we were playing for your parents or something. (laughs) And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossett. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast what you may be thinking when i say that is what is a definitive live pearl jam podcast well let me explain to you exactly what we do on this show we go through the entire live history of pearl jam it doesn't matter what year it is it could have been 2021 or it could have been 1991, or it could have been this year that we're doing today, 1995. And we go through the set list, we go through the whole entire era, and we talk about what happened at that time. We like to give a little bit of history and let it be a little bit of a lecture as well as a like a bootleg listen-along. But essentially, whether this was a show that you were at or this is a show that you would listen to the bootleg at, you can kind of listen along and be like, ah, I know what these guys are talking about. They are connecting the live history together. So that is essentially what we do if you have never listened to the show before, or if you listened in the last couple weeks and you're like, why are they they just going on and talking about songs? That is essentially what our program is about, and we invite you in. Today we're going to do a show from Utah. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello, hello. Have you ever been to Utah? I have. I have been to Utah. What was that like? Driven through it. Um... Well, I drove through it. We were on uh, my old band. We were driving from Iowa to Oregon and stopped there. I used to be the one to drive overnight, and we stopped there in the middle of the night to get gas in Salt Lake City or something. So, uh, yeah, I just remember it being just kind of surreal, like, oh, I'm in Utah, hmm. and just driving right. through it. Like, not not a lot of exciting stuff on the highway in uh, in Utah, but, but I did set foot in it, so that counts. It's good scenery, though, right? Sure. 
really sure. nice like especially if you're obviously you don't want to be driving in the winter but you know to see the mountains and things like that like that's the the attraction that a lot of people have to utah and salt lake city and some of the the resort places that people can go skiing i've never been so i i don't know what i know about utah is what everybody else knows about utah they uh they brought in a basketball team that used to be in New Orleans, which doesn't make sense for them to be called the Jazz, because Utah's not really known for their music. I also know that it, there's a huge Mormon population with BYU and all that. And I guess the other thing I know is that there is snow, and it is a cold-weather state. But outside of that, Salt Lake City's the capital. I don't know anything about Utah. However, today, <laughs> we've made the decision to cover this state and cover a show that happened in the state 26 years ago. So why this one? Uh, because it's 1995 and we got to do all these. I love all of these. Yeah. I, 1995 is really special. And the whole tour year, if you go back and look at it, like there's not much on the U S side. It's only, it feels like there's a lot more because there's really three legs of it, which should have been one. And it's weird because I was actually going back and I was looking at the schedule today of if they would have played everything in order and finished up from, you know, the, the, the time they started in June to, I believe, the Soldier Field show in July, then it would have been like three weeks, three or four weeks. And, and that's it. And this Utah show actually happens in November. This is the start of a stretch of five shows on the west coast it's it's two salt lake city shows which this is the second night of the two and then san jose and then two shows in san diego and the reason why there are two utah shows two shows in salt lake city is because they were supposed to do one that was actually supposed to happen after the first the opening night which wasn't even supposed to be where they were supposed to be the opening night was in Casper, Wyoming. That was originally supposed to be in, in Boise, but they had to move that to Casper. And then the next night, they, they were supposed to go into to Utah. There was some bad weather. There were some storms, and they kind of prematurely canceled it because by the time that they canceled and, you know, around the time that, that the band would have gone on playing, the weather kind of died down a little bit. So they could have logistically played it but th then again you're thinking about how people are going to travel there and if it's bad travel then it it's 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 a no-go situation but they they kind of said after they had to postpone that that uh, they'd come back to utah and play twice as many songs as they were going to play so that's why you get two shows in place of the one that happened beforehand, which is is great because that kind of throw is a is a bit of a throwback to what they did in Colorado about a year or two before that too, where they had to cancel a show because they didn't want to work with the University of Colorado Boulder event staff any anymore because of what was happening there. They then brought another show to Denver when they came to Denver in 1994. So they have a history of doing stuff like this. It'd be nice if they would do that uh, in 2022, all the shows that got canceled. Hey, we're going to play two shows everywhere, everybody. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> we are, we, we are getting a bonus performance coming up soon. So that's, that's something we weren't counting on. 
No, yeah, that's that's interesting, especially because and and I get that it's it's for EB research and I get how tied in they are to to EB, but it is interesting that they spent the whole two years of quarantine really not doing any live streams and now they're they're gonna buy in and do it on this one and i wonder what they're gonna do and how much they're gonna do yeah what do you think Uh, i think you might only get one song maybe two well i i think about what ed did last year and ed played two songs yeah so i think we'll get two i think we'll get like seven o'clock and and quick escape or or super blood wolf moon one of those two i think you might get you'll get maybe like one old one and one new and you might get like a like a better man and a and a quick escape or something I, i'm thinking in terms of of hey just play gig ton and they probably want to play gig ton but you're probably right they'll pop, probably play one of uh the older songs that uh, that does make sense or They'll, as as they used to do, maybe they'll bust out a sonic reducer or something like that, where it's a song that absolutely nobody is expecting they do. You never know. They might pull out something completely brand new, which I'm doubting, but there's the little glimmer of hope that, you know, you tune into that and, and you can see something special. But that's happening on the 18th which is about a week away. If it's exciting, maybe we'll do like a little Patreon reaction episode for that or something. Yeah, we can do something like that. That's something interesting happens. Yeah, sure. Uh, We'll be watching and we'll probably have time right afterwards. We'll record something real quick and that'll be for all all you patrons out there for sure. So, yeah, uh, look, 1995, uh, again, interesting just because you have you're kind of spreading the map with with all these shows here because of the cancellations and things like that. I always find that little September stretch. It's like four shows in five days that that really interesting why they decided to do a September stretch and then a November stretch and not do it all at once. I'm not sure the idea for that, but they were also, this is, this is kind of prime territory here for recording no code. And some of the hints that we're getting in this show and that we get from the night before are ones that tell you what's coming next. This is kind of like the last time Maybe outside of the Bridge School 99, this kind of like the last time that they do something like this. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, they've, they've said that the reason they don't do that anymore is the internet after this. And, you know, once you get into 98, 99, you start to get like, oh, everybody's going to hear it if you if you try to debut stuff before. So they they became a lot more closed off on that kind of thing about waiting until the singles came out, waiting until the album came out to play. But yeah, the night before you get the debut of Red Mosquito. Uh, There's a really good improv on that night as well that I think might have been something they were working on. But uh, you get get a debut here too. You do. Obviously, the song is not on No Code, but it is something that was recorded for No Code. We'll get into that when we do get into that, because that'll be very, very interesting to kind of dissect. Anything else that that is interesting to talk about Salt Lake City wise, talk about band wise? You got to mention the Ticketmaster thing. They were playing these out of the way places, these out of the way venues to find places that weren't Ticketmaster venues. So the Delta Center in Salt Lake City, Utah fits fit the bill. So that's yeah. where you got to go. Yeah, uh, it, it kind of surprised me that they have played five shows in Utah. That is surprising. Yeah, one in 91, 
then these two, and then they played Park City in 1998, and then they went back in 2009. Do you think that Utah is a state that they'll go back to? Ooh, doubtful. Doubtful. Yeah, it just feels like, unless stars are aligned or something like that, it feels like that middle section there, if they're going to go anywhere, they're probably going to go to Nevada. Uh, may Colorado. I don't even know if they go to right Colorado. They'll go to Arizona, which is south. But I don't. Even, I don't think they'd go to like New Mexico anymore. You know, like there's there's just a lot of places that and I think they, if they're going to hit up the U.S. They're they, hit they know up the that people people spots. travel. They know that people are going to go. Like it's right. It's it's kind of a shame that like you're not going to get a lot of these out of the way places anymore. And like we we got a few in 2014, a few in 2016, but especially as they start to wind down in, in the, the old age com- comparatively we'll see. But I mean, you know, you never know. They could this, all this time off, they could like, they could be talking to people right now. Like, Hey, book us everywhere. That'll have us for the next year. Like right. we're going to play. They might've been planning on doing two legs of a gigaton tour. You might get four legs of a gigaton tour. Now we'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Are you saying they will be live on four legs? Uh, maybe could have could have picked up on that. Sure, might have been dropping something there. Or if 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 they're doing a release, we are suing motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's get into the show. Let the show begin. And they come out on stage to the same Brian Eno song and ending ascent that was introed before the San Diego show. And the way that we know that is we did the San Diego show. Uh, a while back, uh, the, fir- the first night, the 11-6-95, and we remember that Deb had spoken about hearing that and then hearing that uh, that same song in another situation in her life. That's why I kind of went hearing that. I'm like, oh, I-, I know exactly what that is. So that was something that they were doing at the time, and that leads right into release here to open up the show. good build really kicks into an extra gear about midway through and the ending gets a little bit spacey the the guitars kind of like trail off a little bit and it doesn't stick to a standard structure that release has it it kind of goes off a little bit and even ed doesn't necessarily 
hit all those exact high spots that that you know him to hit. He kind of he kind of reserves it and then waits to 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 build it. It's it's a it's an interesting version. It doesn't sound like other versions of release, but it, it's a little bit tough. How would you describe this one? Yeah, this is not like a wide open release where it's like he's inviting everyone in. This it to me is just a like I said a little more hypnotic, a little more trance like a little more getting into just a groove and just sitting in that groove and letting it letting it ride and and that's that's jack irons for you i mean it's 1995 i'm going to talk about jack sorry who are you apologizing to <laughs> the people out there they're like uh jack irons again like oh no oh how terrible he was a drummer in this band how awful no he's he's so good on this and so different than than what we're used to hearing for the last you know 20 years for better or for worse it's just different and it's it's a nice change of pace to to hear him play these songs and we we've talked about it before like 95 a lot of the 10 songs were kind of falling out of favor but released and it really is a chance for him to show uh what he can do on a song like this and it like I said, it's it's the drums that, that really drive it for me. I found it really interesting, and, and since we're here right off the gate, even though I wrote it later in my notes, we see the ten songs in these little pockets that we used to get at this time, where two right at the beginning, two in the middle, two at the end. And it just feels like, the I don't know if it's purposefully trying to separate the 10 stuff from the other stuff and make the other stuff stand out or or what it is but it does seem like the 10 it it doesn't feel like it's it's moving out of favor in a way because they're playing every every album has six songs being played at this show this is pretty even numbers here but the 10 stuff feels like they're kind of on their own island which is is very interesting i think it is it's just like Here's, here's some at the beginning to get you in, and here's some in the middle, like, in case we lost you, and here's some at the end. Just, just here's, just like, throwing crumbs. Like, here you go. Here's here's these. And if you like that, then you won't mind everything else that we're, we're yep. going to do here, yep. which I, I am sure this was... This sounded like a pretty good crowd. I, I think they had some problems with the crowd the night before. They have a, a quote in here where Ed kind of mentions that it sounded like their parents had showed up the night before, which, I, you know... Right. It's, I don't know if that's that's sort of meant to hype up that crowd or the first night crowd was really not that good. Essentially, one of the things that I read about the first night was that they were planning to play more songs. And because it was so dead, they decided to cut it off after Porch. Yeah, yeah. So I, it seems like this one's a little bit better. And this one is was always a, a very highly revered bootleg as, as well going and looking at the line of bootlegs in 1995 so there was a monkey wrench radio after this too i think yeah they uh he they, went after uh, he had the van and went out and played some music and talked afterwards i i don't have a recording of it but i think it's it's, it's out there yeah i think that this was actually broadcast on monkey wrench yeah, as well yeah which was the first thing that came to my mind this is how this is where we are in the world and, and where our technology is. The first thing I thought of when I was going to say that was, Oh, they live streamed it on monkey wrench radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the first thing that I wanted to say, but no, 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 no. <laughs> that is that, that was not a term that they used at the time. However, yeah. yes. If you go see, uh, the, the set list scan on five horizons, Ed wrote, this was a show we'll remember. And it also has shit crossed out yep. and ID there. I don't know yep. if I don't want to sit here and make fun of Utah, 
because I again like I know what I know from TV and yeah. if it's very you know proper and and not vulgar then I don't know if that was a joke yeah it looks like that, some but. like some whoever had this got the band to autograph it and it looks like someone from the band afterwards crossed it out and wrote that oh maybe it was a it. kid maybe it was a kid or something like that but like the, it says bum rush there's Jack's signature yeah, it's There's hard to Stone. tell. There's Jeff. Like, Jeff drew a little picture, as he always does. Yep. And then there's Ed, and then his little writing underneath. Yeah, it's cool. The way that they're going to follow up on release is going into Evenflow. Like I said, the little 10 pockets. Last Exit, Animal Dissident, and this is pretty standard for what you were getting at the time. But all these songs have unique takes to them. So what stood out from these four? What was the, what was the standout moment? Oh, the I think it's the ending of Animal. I, I think <laughs> you're yeah. you're on the money. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that two-headed attack that Stone and Mike have and then it's like Stone is locking you in and hypnotizing you by that sound and that guitar is just sort of droning you in and you're kind of all right, falling, falling, falling and then all of a sudden in in your left ear, Mike just pile drives and you're like, "Fuck, where'd that come from?" And you're right, the ending just completely blows it to bits. Just a lot, a lot of jump to it, a lot of energy. songs just sending it just a such a different feel and the the way he plays around with rhythm and just the different little counter rhythms and polyrhythms that he's doing it's just very very interesting and animals like like i said it's got that surge at the end when mike comes in like everyone's like here we go and they they just push it to the end it's just pushing it to the limit it's very very good jack also the beginning of even flow and the beginning of last exit also just stellar standout moments yeah, I actually, I, I kind of wanted to single out Dissident here because Dissident felt like it had a little bit more of that energy that Animal brings to to the table when Dissident's kind of a little bit more open and a little a little less rushed. And this kind this felt like a pretty fast version of Dissident compared to others. And I wonder if that's just kind of playing off whatever Animal's energy was uh, was poised on stage. So Could be. Could it's, be. yeah, it, it, it just zipped. It just felt like you know the the ending sword too. Like it felt like Mike had 
a given to fly type moment at the end, just kind of going off, and it kind of felt like he was doing one of those and kind of doing that a little bit, just playing around. So, and, and Ed speaks that escape line as well. He does. It's 1995. You shouldn't be yeah. doing that. Go for it, man. Yeah. Just, just do it. Just fucking let it go. Go for it. Uh, I get it when he does it in the 2000s, but in 1993 through 1995, just freaking do it. Oh, it's not going to kill you. <laughs> Five songs in the set list, damn it. But yeah, this is this is all great. This is all great stuff here, and it's it's very much what you expect from uh, from 1995 for sure. The next trio of songs, Not For You, Rearview Mirror, Better Man. This is not what you would expect from the early mid-section, but remember at the time, Ed is kind of new to this guitar thing, so you need to kind of bring in these sections of where, okay, this is where Ed's going to play. Ed plays Not For You, he plays Rearview Mirror, he plays Better Man. Later on the set, they'll have whipping and leaving here kind of back to back where those are two that he plays on as well. And, you know, there's it kind of goes along like they're they're going to do in the next section. They're going to do glorified G and daughter, which those are two songs that Jeff is going to use the upright bass for. So there are little things that in there just the preparation being on stage, why these songs get kind of bunched together and why you're seeing Rearview Mirror so early and Better Man so early. And those songs, I don't think were necessarily the closing act at the time. I think they evolved oh, yeah. into yeah. that as, <laughs> as uh, time went on. And actually an interesting point because I out of the three, I thought not for you was the, the easy, easy highlight of the three. Oh, good lord! Yes, oh, <laughs> fantastic! Fucking not for you in this, but yeah, you know, you think of of Better Man. This is only the thirty second time they played it, compared to some of the other Vitology songs, like right, not for, not for you, fifty seven, Last Exit, forty seven, Corduroy, forty three. Like that's all the nineteen ninety four plays right there. Yeah, Better Man yeah. not really and, played in nineteen ninety four at all. And yeah, then they Better Man even debuted in ninety three. Right, just they had not, a year to work not, on it not being played very often still. They just didn't really know what to do with it. It wasn't until, I think, 98 that it really started to take off. But, yeah, this not don't bury the lead. This Not For You is amazing. Really just builds and builds. And an extended, extended outro, some, they go into almost something completely different at the end. It yeah. almost has, like, another bridge. Oh, it's it's so good. I One of the best listening. I've heard in a long time. I was listening to this and I was kind of thinking that this is this is sort of what an immortality outro gets into. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It doesn't get out of hand where Jack gets really intense and and insane with it, but it it starts to build back and you're like, "Okay, what's next from this?" And and there are a couple of songs where they do that in the show. That's kind of a theme of just oh, yeah. jamming and seeing where songs will take you. And I think Not For You is a fantastic example of that in the show. That the, the fact that it completely overshadows Rearview Mirror and Better Man should should tell you something. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. And these are actually very good versions of both those songs too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, again, the the whatever that they were trying out on that it just worked and and you were getting that in 1995 they were throwing shit at the wall they were seeing what worked they were seeing what jack was kind of energized with and especially something like not for you which has that kind of open-ended 
finish to it. Now, now you know it as okay, they're about to play Modern Girl, but they obviously didn't have that at the time. So, how are they going to end the song? They usually kind of end it. It's a little bit spacey. It's a little bit, you know, it's kind of like on the record. But this, this is just full on jam. jammy as well like that like once again you're getting into the bridge and that's really where the jams in rearview mirror really started to kind of come together and you're hearing kind of the spacey atmospheric sound to it it gets a little bit soaring and the guitars during the ending that's where rearview mirror really jumps the way that when they're finishing, when that guitar hits, after Ed does the scream, you can kind of hear Mike come in and, and wail right over Ed. And it just sounds really good with, with what Jack's bringing to the table, what, what Jeff's bringing to the table, too. It is, it's a mid-set showstopper. Absolutely. Speed. Speed and electricity. Not much else that you can ask for from that. And then um, Better Man to follow up sounds pretty poppy, catchy. And sounds like they actually enjoy performing this version because we talked about the 95, 96, like you mentioned, they hadn't played it a whole lot, you know, compared to the other songs. They hadn't played it too much. But when they were playing it, they it seemed like Ed wasn't in it, like his mind wasn't in it. And he either wasn't because we all know the story about where Ed was with Better Man at the time and that he didn't want it on Vitalogy and, and Brendan O'Brien made the push for it and it ended up there. So he needed time to figure out what his relationship with it was. But as far as 95 versions go, it felt pretty happy-go-lucky kind of, you know? It was a little upbeat. It was cool. I didn't, I didn't have any problem with it, but it's not the Better Man that we we came to know later. No, and especially coming out of this version, I thought that especially because you know we listened to a really good Better Man last week, they could have went for another minute or two on that jam, and I would have been quite all right with that. Like that, it it ended a little too abruptly. You want a little bit more of that jam in there, especially for what they were doing with the other songs. Better Man is the one that they do jam on now, not for you. 
is not that anymore. It's just funny how those things kind of have have flipped the switch now. Yeah, definitely. And like sometimes not for you will get like kind of a cheesy call and response thing like a quarter right. does. And it's just it's just not the same. Yeah, right. You need a little bit of the, the same bite that you get from 1995 with it. Absolutely. Ed toast the crowd here says take bottle drink it down pass it around and that gets a great response which means you have some smart fans that know the history of crazy mary in there and oh, he even says wild eyed crazy eddie see that was i couldn't tell because that was kind of cut yeah. off in between tracks so that that's yeah. a very good catch so we get a, a full-on versus section here you want to talk about your pockets of album songs go glorified g daughter Go is explosive. All that pent-up energy from this era. Ed kind of get back into a little bit of gruff and grit in his voice. Better Man kind of gave him a chance to to step back a little bit. Go was, was fantastic from this section. Glorified G is a talking point, though. Because a few nights later, the last night of the tour, I believe, in San Diego is the version that you probably think about when you think about glorified g glorified version of i hate this song that's that version it would go away for a long time after that i believe eight years or so yeah yeah it might have been one of the 2003 songs that came back and there's another song that that kind of did the same thing that's going to come in a couple minutes as well but listening to this version I thought that it sounded like Ed wanted absolutely no part of it before the song even started. Yeah, I can see that. He didn't. It didn't feel like it had his, his full attention. But yeah, this is this is a Mike Mike takes over this the, the fantastic solo. But yeah, it's interesting. This is one of the one of the final times you would get it in the nineties. Right. Yeah, it, it, it was never really a Jack song. It never really kind of brought together in this era, but it just felt a little, and it might be Ed, and it might just be how he was feeling with it. It just seemed like it was a little bit, dare I say, kind of like a, a train wreck for him. Like, he was just kind of, at points, he would kind of stop singing. He would kind of just almost not stay true to the song or overdo some of the screaming parts. He just wasn't feeling it at the time. And if Ed's not feeling it, that means it's going to rub off on the rest of the band. That's, that's yep. you know, that, yeah. that's a big thing. It was almost like obligatory. Like, they're going to play Daughter, so they have to play it. Because it's, right. it, it's in, like... Exactly. And, it, and it's just like, yeah, this is... Like, why are we still doing this? Yeah. Right. You, and I, you, they'll, they'll figure it out in, in 1996. They'll figure it out. Okay, if we want to play Daughter... We'll, we'll make a quick change with the bass and that'll be fine. Give it two seconds, maybe talk to the crowd and there you go. You don't have to play a glorified G. But here I think Daughter is, is, a, is a really nice highlight from this because you get the snare drum is really popping in this version of Daughter and although the guitars seem a little bit muffled at first, you kind of lose a little bit of the open chords and that like the openness feel to to where daughter kind of ringing out in in usual versions it doesn't really have that sound i don't know if that's due to just the version itself or due to just the quality of the bootleg but it doesn't quite reach that however you're listening to the drums and you don't necessarily always go to the drums on daughter you're getting two tags here as well a young man blues tag, which is actually changed lyrically to young girl blues. Well, a young girl, 
That's interesting because on our part, this weekend on Friday, we are releasing our Given Fly Evolution episode, and one of the things we talk about is changing pronouns in uh, in that song. So it's interesting that that came up when it did. Yeah, it's funny how that stuff pops up together sometimes. Um, it's no Colin Powell, but you know, <laughs> right. Uh, but no, I had the same thing on Daughter. I thought Jack really, really popped on it, really gave it some extra life. And uh, and a long WMA tag, too, reminded me of yeah. of the, some of the ones we heard last month, a couple of months ago, where they they really extended, kind of got into the second verse even. Changes a little bit of the lines to policeman, preacher man, uh, then goes into all my pieces set me free, human devices set me free little, immediately after the verses. Little Mormon reference there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good call. And just another jammy moment from the show that kind of it gets and you can hear the crowd after there, there's a surge on the crowd. You could hear after that. And, and uh, it feels pretty good. It, it was a good version of this. And Young Man Blues, again, not one of those tags that you get very often. They only did it four times. I believe we talked about it not long ago. What was that? The 96 Toronto show, something like that. But yeah, Toronto, those are two out of the four times that they did it. And one of them was well back in, in 1993. So it, it had been a while since they had done it, 91 shows. So, again, kind of sign of the time of what they were doing within the tags. Stone is saying thank you here. Is that Stone? I think that's uh, Stone's voice. I think so. And I thought I heard him earlier in the set, too, saying something similar, like, thanks or, or some, something along those lines. And, and that was before Ed even talked which is interesting, but they're in kind of a lull here, and they're asking Schmitty, what's going on, Schmitty? What, what, what's happening here? That's Ed now is, is taking over and saying, I guess he's doing some hand gestures, and he's what he's saying is, he says, here's you, and here's all your problems right about up to here, probably raising his, his arm and, and showing you how many problems you have. And he says, unless you're six foot six, then you have even bigger problems than that. Maybe you're the same size as me, and you're white, maybe you grew up in Salt Lake City, your problems are all only down here. But no matter where or who you are, they always seem to go up and up and up, and that's what this song is about. That's that's an interesting little speech. It's probably pretty off the cuff and something that he came up with at the moment. And again, like there, it seemed like they were kind of looking to drag out for time there. Yeah, and a- another song, kind of like Glorified G, that would just get played a couple more times to, to finish this little run out and then disappear for eight years. So Yeah. But the, but yeah, the ending's that's... good. The ending's good. Yeah, compared to... I, I don't I don't like doing the, the drummer comparison. I, I like saying what each of them can bring to the table, but that ending of what you can do on Deep, that is what you think of Dave A when you think of the deep versions that Dave A did the ending is where it kind of can spiral out of control and he's the one that's really setting the tone for that but this feels like it's a little bit different than what they would do with Dave yeah instead of kind of going down it felt like it was going up kind of like you talked about before the song like going up and up and up it felt like it kept ascending up and like instead of going down it was, it was, it was a little different yeah, it, it's it's interesting because we we don't cover, especially if, if we do a 1995-1996 show, 1996 Deep is gone, like Glorified G, Deep is out of the picture. 
we don't get to hear Jack on too many versions. I think he played, surprisingly, I think they did it 13 times in 1995. Mm-hmm. That feels high, but yeah. that's yeah. the number that I that I had, you know, with, with the U.S. stuff and, and the Australian, Japan, Asian right. stuff. Yeah, it, it, it just feels like a high number because you just don't think of this song when you think of the Jack era. It's just another one that just didn't stick. lot of these endings completely different than you would see them on the record and and it, great to go back and and kind of listen to to what things were like back then and what they were trying to achieve with with this show a lot of the themes for the ending of the song are, are pretty similar yes and we're going to get to another very good one very shortly yeah it's like i think we can kind of even with jeremy here the only thing that i really have to say on jeremy is this is kind of in the midst of the time frame where no Jeremy is being played. So mm-hmm. regular versions of Jeremy from 1995 seem kind of paling in comparison. And a couple nights later, the night to San Diego would be a no Jeremy show. So in between it, it just, it, it feels like this is kind of just transitioning you from one moment to the next. And again, this is your other pocket of 10 songs, deep Jeremy. They don't even play alive at the show. That's, that's how right. little, they want to do with this record and, and how, how spread out they want it to be, but they put Jeremy in there and especially tagged with deep. It, it doesn't feel like that's a combo that seems to be utilized that often, but I, I could be wrong on that. So, and it's interesting too, that they never committed to no Jeremy. It was never like, it never was like four five, six, seven shows in a row. It was always right. like, we'll do it. Then it we'll go back and then we'll do it again. And then we'll go back and yeah, it's interesting. So Ed asks everybody if they're having a good night, and in the background, Mike plays a little bit of Wish You Were Here. It could have been Stone, but I'm all I'll fair to say that it's Mike. Ed says it feels a little bit different than last night. Tonight, we're playing for you. Last night, it felt like we were playing for your parents or something, but it feels good. Let's keep going. That gets us into Corduroy. Corduroy intro extended a little bit. They tended to do that back then, and, and it kind of felt like even in the Ohana versions and the See Here Now version, that that intro had that same little extension that they went another measure or two before, and and it, it kind of let the drums play it out a little bit instead of the guitars build to it. They let the drums kind of build to it, which I, I thought was great. Kind of like similar to these versions as well. The intro is perfect. It's the, the, the guitar tone, the pace of it the energy that it builds even the the quiet part when it when it kind of when it drops out is perfect we can talk about the intro and that would be burying the best part of the song which is absolutely the outro
So when Solo comes in, the solo is a standout moment, of course, but it's going to lead to what you think is going to be the end of the song. And you think that it's, it's, it's going to end the same way that Corduroy usually does. It kind of is the same way that not for you sort of ends. It just, it can trail out and they have opportunities to jam, but they just keep going. They keep going. And what is it with the outros where they just don't want to finish songs at this show? It's it's changing speeds off the dot. Like every single part of this is unreal and things that you don't hear from from Corduroy. And not only that, but like the way that Jack Snare is popping on this, like that's what I take out of that. That that like that's how fast that everything is going. That's how enormous this ending feels. It almost feels like they are they gonna go back into like another chorus of this? Imagine. If they made the attempt to end a corduroy like this nowadays, how huge oh, would that feel? God, people would people would lose their shit. Yeah, this is uh, this is a top five corduroy all time. Jack, like you said, Jack goes into like a punk rock time, like a one beat, like do 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 do, and just kicks it in, and it goes for seven and a half minutes nonstop. This may be the number one song at this show, and. There's going to be, a, there's already been a couple of good ones. There's going to be some more, but I think this is a top three, top five corduroy all time. Look, there's a lot of versions of corduroy from a lot of different eras, and it's a song that has almost no bad version at all. And that's a statement to be made right there out of the 500 or so times that it has been played that this is one of the best. But honestly, there are so many that happen in this era that are unique like this. And that have moments like this, but boy, I don't know if I've ever heard them finish an ending like that before. Actually yeah. do yeah. like a reprise of the solo, essentially. Yeah, and we don't have video of this, but you can just picture them like huddled around Jack just going for it. I oh, it would have given me goosebumps. Fantastic. Yeah. Great moment. Great moment. And again, this is another pocket of where Ed is playing on all these songs in a row because the next songs that you're gonna get are Lucan and I got shit. And I don't know, were we harsh on Lucan last week? I might have been. <laughs> well, no, I think we were, it was a collective thing. He, he, he barely sang the lyrics. It wasn't a best effort. However, if you're going to do Lucan, don't you want it to sound the same way that we get it at this show? Don't you want it to sound a little bit more like this? Sure. Yeah, really cool intro. Uh, the lyrics, again, not quite there. You get the, the I'll Never Leave lyrics, some of the, the verses that weren't quite fully formed. But, yeah, this is great. Yeah, you kind of forget because Lucan had been played so often at the time. It had been played 25 times to this point, and it'll be played three more as, as uh, these last little shows kind of go forward here. But that's all before it's even released on No Code. And you're right, it's not fully formed yet, which we'll talk about not fully formed songs in just a second. But yeah, yeah it's, it's just interesting that they seem to keep going back to this, but it's definitely filling out that kind of early, early, early budding germ that Lucan was. It's it is not a forty five second version of Lucan, but I, I and I just wanna I just wanna state because I felt like if it was harsh, I know why people like it. Trust me, I know why people like it. And if that's an argument to be had, that's our argument to be had. But that's why we all have different opinions and it's all good. I got shit. 
I thought that this was a, another highlight from the show. Just the vocals ripping into it, especially going from from the verse and in, into the chorus on the uh, on the first chorus go around. Ed, he kind of taps into that here. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a song that wasn't even released yet. Another one. So you got to think these three, three in a row. Luke and I got shit. Brandon J. Yeah, three in a row that hadn't been released. Granted, I believe Merkin Ball came out December fourth in a month. Right. Everybody would have it. So right. You know, I, I don't even know if it, it was even out on the radio as a single at the time. But again, I got shit. That's that's a song they're feeling at the time. That's a big moment. However, now where we are in the set list, we get a live debut. That's it's not every show that we can say that we have a live debut of a song. And uh, it's not every day that we're going to say that we have the live debut of Brandon J. thoughts on this is that at first they kind of play that that little riff and you kind of hear like okay are we gonna do it that they play it to kind of make sure that they have it that it's the same way that they kind of tee it up on the record they just playing that one two three four one two three and then i'm thinking to myself for a second i'm like did where is there a connection between the two there can't possibly be a connection between the two because i i would think that that would just be a studio thing that they were just like okay 
this is how we're going to start the record. But it's just funny how that all kind of came to fruition like that. That's, I think it's the same thing. It, it's an awkward beginning to a riff, so he's just playing through to make sure he's got it, just like you said. Yeah. Right. First time, figure it out. They kickstart the song, and it's completely different lyrics. Like we were talking about with Luke and just there, completely different lyrics. There's something with Jackie O in there. It's a little bit unintelligible at times, but there are some cool little facets about this that are different from the actual production of the song. And one of them being when they finish up the verse, they actually continue playing that riff before going into the whole world will be revealed. I thought that that was a really cool moment. That's a really cool little facet of the song that you just never really think about because it's it's usually it's it's open verse chorus verse chorus bridge like it's a very structured kind of song it's just funny that they kind of broke it down into that very little part that can make it seem so different than than what it is now and i feel like there is a song that has something like that and and it's not coming to me it might be that something that's on binaural it might be something that was now take from binaural that after finishing a verse they would play and continue playing that riff on the verse before going into a chorus like that. Can you think of what song does that? Yeah, no, I, I can't think of it off, off but they the top have, of my head. Yeah. They have done it. It's an interesting way to like, it's a different kind of structural thing you can do with a song to kind of startle people and kind of give a little jolt to it. Like it's unexpected. It comes in here and you know, you're used to hearing the song the way we, we hear it now and you're like, Oh, here we go. And then it, it's not that. And you're kind of like, Oh, okay. That was weird, but it, it is cool. I like it a lot. Yeah. I like, I like these 95 brain of Jays. They're cool. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got two of them. And unfortunately that this is going to be the last time that we, unless we end up doing an evolution on brain of J, which seems to be a little far fetched, but not ever out of the question. Gotta get to them all eventually. Exactly. Yeah. So we already did the San Jose show that they did the other version at, but Mm -hmm. they never did it in 96. They never brought it back. And I'm wondering, they record it for no code. There's just something amiss with it. And you know that from what we know, from what we can hear in this version, it is not the lyrically it has changed. Musically, it has changed. There's something that they know about it that it's like, okay, it's not, it, it sounds good, but it's not clicking with us. Yeah, all and, the all the Jackie O stuff, it, it really reminded me of like Bullet by the Misfits. It almost seemed like it was kind of their take on that maybe, which is, a you know, that's a, about JFK as well, a very similar theme to the song. So it really like came off as like uh, an homage to Bullet, which was weird, but they, they definitely changed it and took all that stuff out of there for the for the final version. It's just interesting. Like I would love to hear that no code version. Yeah, if that box set ever, ever sees the light of day, then I would assume that we're getting something like that on there. But to hold on to it and to kind of go back to it on Yield is is interesting, too, because it just felt like Yield was such a, a more mature approach than No Code was that you would think, okay, maybe they would drop kind of more of the punk stuff no code held on to a little bit of it. You have it with habit. You have it with Lucan and yeah, maybe have it a little bit with hell, hell as well, but brain of J didn't seem, and this is why the album, this is why yield seems to gel so well is that you have so many of these songs that seem to have different stylistic ways of being played. And 
it all seems to mesh together somehow. I like the fact that they didn't give up on it, that they knew that they had something when they had it on no code. And they said, all right, we, we can go back to it, which makes me think that maybe in two records or so, we'll finally get up the earth. <laughs> oh, we can only hope. Because that would be the one. The crowd does react to it really well, though. And you can see that they are fully appreciating that they're getting something brand new, even though they, they have no idea. Like this whole section here, they could have been checked out. But right, right. of how good it sounds and how tight the band was and how explosive it was. They love the fast ones. The, exactly. The, the youths. All right. So now we're at the end of the main set here. And like we mentioned before, you begin the set with a little pocket of 10. In the middle, you get 210, and you're finishing with three songs from the 10 era, two from 10, and then obviously State of Love and Trust from the, from the single soundtrack. But what you think here? Because it, I, I, we could focus a little bit on Black, but the focus wouldn't be as positive as I'd want it to be. Because I felt like 95, this wasn't hitting its stride. In, in 92, it, it had hit its stride and it had found a really good groove. And then it would find a groove later when the band had matured. And I think when you listen to all these versions from like 2000 on of Black and you know what you get with it, then you can listen to a 95 version and be like, ooh, that, this, this is a little bit more raw. You like what you have now. So it just felt like it just didn't quite have that Midas touch in 1995. It felt like they were just going through it to go through it. Yeah, I thought it was it was Ed, you know, just like you said with Glorified G. I think mm-hmm. if he's not fully vested in it, then it's not going to be as powerful. And as good as Jack is on it and as good as Mike is on it, if, if Ed's not present and he's not there, then it's not going to hit like it should. Yeah, you're absolutely right that this and you know what? This show doesn't have a live, like I mentioned before, and it might benefit from not having a live because think about it. That's the one song from this era that Ed did really give a shit about. So that kind of ties in with going straight to porch too. He does a little improv in the middle of porch about, you know, some, some things they work out right, not, but not always. And if right. you, if you hear at the end of porch two, there's an audible, like mic drop, like just drops the mic done. Like again, no videos. So I'm, kind of going off you know what we have to work with here but it kind of felt like these three songs like after that he was kind of like ah done drop right. the mic walk off and a long encore break too yeah about like six seven minutes before they yeah. would come back yeah. yeah look i thought this version of porch was excellent i thought it's good ag- it's very good again you're getting more jammy stuff this is a very jammy show and you're just letting letting the guys do what they can but even even state of love and trust going back to the whole idea that they just the songs didn't some of these didn't have their flavor black didn't have its flavor to it there's no hey na 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 hey there's something there's that section goes away and i have no idea is that just like ed not invested why is that not there and then at the end that half beat comes back with jack and i think we had talked about that before that that it felt like they had kind of turned state of love and trust to almost like a no effects song yeah yeah, it's interesting. Like it, it drops down to just the drums at one point in State of Love and Trust. I we don't use. I, I can't remember another time when I heard that. But again, I think it all goes back to Ed on these. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And and you can you can even tell on porch too. The rest of the band sounded amazing, but Ed maybe due to what he was saying in that improv portion there, but Ed wasn't really where you expect him to be on porch. But uh, th- please, if you have anything to add on this jam here, please add it because it, it is just yeah, a, another big thing from this. It's very interesting. It almost gets a little funky again. Yeah. Like a, a little melodic. Like I wasn't expecting that from, from this show, but it was, it was kind of a, a cool little surprise. I thought it was really good. I think that that's we haven't mentioned Stone very much, but I, I picture you know kind of everyone playing off a of Stone on this one. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Yep, that when you have the funky and groovy, that's that's kind of where he's driving. Absolutely, this was the loose groove weapon of choice Stone era. <laughs> okay, that is your main set right there. We are at the encore now. It's time to pause for station identification. Talk a little bit about what's happening over at Patreon and. Believe it or not, there is stuff happening this week on Friday. We are releasing that Given a Fly Evolution Series episode. We've been talking about that for weeks. It is done. It is in the bank. We are putting it out to the world to listen. And look, I I think a lot of people that join up to Patreon, that's the reason why they want to join is because the evolution series is something that we spend a lot of time dissecting and think about it. Given a fly has been played 475 times. We had to go through a lot of versions of the song to get to tell that story. It's going to be interesting. There's going to be things to talk about. It's one that everyone has a connection to. Like you and I talked about our connection to it and everyone listening to this can go, Oh, given a fly. Like they, everybody has a story about it. Right, and it'd been a while since we had done a big, big song, like a, yeah. and a live yeah. porch kind of song, and this kind of this fits in that territory. So we had been kind of hovering around immortality and, and present tense, and doing more of like the the deep cut fan favorite ones. And I think this this was definitely more of a challenge. But look, a lot of people say that that one of the best things to join up on Patreon is to listen to all these evolution episodes. There are 15 of them now with given a fly that's coming out on Friday. So if you want to join Patreon, come over and join. It is it only a dollar to join up and you can pay for the whole entire year in one sitting and it will be $10 for the whole entire year. It'll, it'll deduct $2 from your yearly payment, believe it or not. And Hey, that's only if you want to listen that that is the base level of what you get from patreon but you can also join the five dollar gigaleg tier or the horizon leg tier for ten dollars a month and then you get a little bit more you will get a profile episode if you join the horizon leg you will get an episode request if you join the gigaleg so these are things that again people seem to be more attracted to the, the evolution episodes but absolutely join to to get their perks in with episode requests as well so keep that in mind patreon.com slash live on four legs search live on four legs on the patreon app we do have a new patron this week so thank you very much to lisa rinaldi our brand new patron elisa welcome to the team welcome thank you board and we hope that you enjoy the given to fly evolution episode and everything else that's going on over there we will have more stuff in this month. I think the other things that we'll be doing this month, we'll be doing a 1991 show. We started doing those for a little while and, and kind of again with what was going on in, in personal lives, it, it was, it was a little bit tough to get more content out there, but 
We're going back to doing some 1991 shows, and uh, we are going to have another. If you guys like the TV series, I didn't hear. We didn't hear a lot of feedback from the TV series, guys. Did you guys like it? We want. We want to know. Did you guys enjoy the series? If you enjoyed the series, if you enjoyed the free episode that we put out on the regular platforms and you want to listen to the SNL episode, that is over on Patreon. If you are a patron and you've listened to both, let us know what you think. Yeah, just a little quick hit. Just go check it out. The next one is going to come out later in November, too. So, again, look, if those are things that you're interested in, that's that's what we have over at our donation service account on uh, the lovely Patreon. So, the only other thing I want to add in here is uh, this is the last week to sign up for the Secret Santa gift exchange, and Friday is going to be the last day that you can do that. So make sure, if you are following us on Facebook, it's pinned to the podcast community group. I hope you're following the podcast community group. If you're not, make sure you do. And look, maybe the easiest way is just to send us an email, live on 4 gmail.com, and we will send you the link so you can sign up to this. Maybe that's the easiest way. But essentially what it is, is you sign up, Secret Santa, you get to buy somebody a Pearl Jam gift anywhere from $25 to $30. It could be a t-shirt, it could be some, some merch from the last tour, whatever it is, people will make a wish list. You can pick whatever you want out of their wish list, send it to them, and then on December 16th, we're going to throw a little Zoom party like we did last year. Everyone's going to open up their gifts, and it's going to be merry and fun. So we just like to do that as a little bit of a, of, of a thank you for, for the year, and thank you for, for hanging with us and, and, uh, and being great, and being great Pearl Jam fans for the whole entire year. We'll have a lot of things to, to talk about at that party, so uh, hope to see you all there. And again, Friday is the last day to sign up for Secret Santa. Got a lot of people already, but if we don't have you, then what do we really have? A lot of things. But anyway, we'll move on. Uh, back to the back to the rock into the encore. You're kind of delaying before you get into Sonic Redu. You're not sure if they're going to talk to the crowd or not. It sounds like they, they might address them. It's, you're not sure what's going to happen. There's a big, long delay. It seems like they're not sure what they're going to do either, and you kind of get this moment before leaving here that they're trying to figure it out, but this is a, a three-headed attack of punk rock songs here. Sonic Reducer whipping and leaving here. What spoke to you in this section? What, what was the best part about this encore? This all feels like a reaction to ending the main set with those older songs. It feels like like with the mic drop and everything, I just went back and was like, nope, we, we, we're going to do something different now. Right. And it's, yeah, it's Sonic Reducer. I love this. I love every time they do Sonic Reducer, one of my favorite covers that they do. And this one, actually, it's not sped up too fast. It's pretty close to the pace that they play it on the on the single. I thought, it, you know, as much as Ed wasn't engaged in some of the other stuff, he's engaged in this one. I thought it was very, very good. Yeah, and, and believe it or not, this would be the final Sonic Reducer that Jack would play on. Yeah. They wouldn't get yeah. to play it again until later in 1998, and then it would kind of pop in and out of, of years there, here and there. But it's one of those songs we talk about where covers really have their time in the sun, and this was one of them that in 1993, 1994, Sonic Reducer was it. Like that was one yeah. of their main covers. This was sort of the tail end of its heyday, so to speak. But you know, you're following it up, whipping and leaving here. They sound great. Whipping has the the very pogo bouncy vibe to it. I love that. Leaving here is is pretty much a mess. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much a only, mess. Only the fourth time they played it. 
Right. I, we'll we'll give him a break on that. It's yeah. it's it's yeah. it's only the fourth version. Okay, uh, right into the solo. One, two, three. It jumps in the lyrics a little bit quickly, which he did in in, in whipping too. Which does, kind of yeah, yeah. Can go back to like, all right, where's his head at at the end of the show? They have to actually fully stop the song. And look, I think they, they, they're pros now. They can figure it out on the fly a lot better now. But they fully stopped the song. They're like, okay, all right, back to this part. Back to starting the solo. And they start back up from the solos and finish on. I don't know if you were able to tell what you thought the solos were. What Did, did, you, did you pick them out? Did, it was such a mess, I didn't even try. All right, I thought it was Mike Ed, Mike Stone. But I could be full yeah, I think that was I think that was pretty standard for the time. Right, but yeah. big finish to the song with a lot of extra chord jumps in there. Look, I think Leaving Here again is in a very early stage, but I think they wanted to turn Leaving Here, which it would become in 1996, kind of that penultimate song. I think they wanted that to be that for this time, or, or, or at least shooting for it. Yeah, I agree. Immortality. When you talk about penultimate songs, and when you get this as a penultimate song, I... I, I I tend to do this when I look at 1995 sets and it's kind of like a, it's not nervous, but it, it's like preparing myself when I, when I go and look at a set list for 1995, I'm like, all right, where's immortality? Where's immortality? And it's because you always want to know what they're going to do with it and seeing where they place it. You can almost anticipate that it's going to be a certain type of version. So seeing it at the end of the encore, to be played as the penultimate song before Yellow Ledbetter, it's a seven minute, 40 second version. You know exactly what you're in for. You're in for that ride at the end. The rest of the show is all outros, jammy outros. Let them explode. Let them explore a little bit with this. Let them feel a vibe. This is no different.
there are good immortalities throughout the years, but 1995 immortality is is a step above, and it's just a punch in the face after Sonic Reducer whipping and leaving here. Like you think, like oh here we go, like we're gonna get like the the crazy kind of like oh here we go near the end of the tour we're gonna kind of let our hair down and have some fun and you might get some but here's immortality to just snap you back and immediately like i said jack at the beginning there's almost no words to describe it like i talked about crazy mary last week and like how kind of magical that was and this is this is in the same vein i mean the ending is unbelievably good it's almost like how do five people do that and like Mike's kind of out in space doing his own thing and Jack's like over on the other side holding it down you think it's over at one point and then it they just rises up again and it just it's just mind-blowingly good and at the end I think Ed just kind of goes oh thanks and it's like oh yeah yeah thanks okay yeah thanks <laughs> thanks for that thanks for this one of the most sublime like musical moments of, of the whole year like this song is the showstopper in 1995. It, it should have ended every show. There's nowhere to go from here. It's just the greatest. Yeah, just imagine that. And I, I know we have covered a show from earlier in this year that Immortality yeah. was the closer at, and, yeah. and it might not have happened again. That might have been its one and only time. But imagine if Immortality ended up being the indifference where it became that and it became your show closing moment yeah i I I wanted this to go on for 15 20 minutes oh look i was disappointed because my mp3 said it was it was at 9 30 really at 7 40 i was disappointed because i thought we were getting something really long and i don't know if that took me almost out of it for a second and like disappointed me but and kind of my expectations were definitely high, but uh, like even even the good immortalities change. that we get now, you get you you might get to six minutes. Like Ooh, this is that's, yeah, that's that's look. I, I I think they don't do something like this. Yeah, they yeah. don't do something like this now. It could be a jam at the end, but it, it feels almost structured. It feels like they almost know what they're going to do because they know how to get from point A to point B. Yeah. I think this whole show is basically figuring out how are we getting from point A to point B? How are yeah, we ending know, and these Jack's been in the Jack's been in the band for a year now, so he's he's learned the ropes and they're they're figuring out what they can do and which songs they can do this for. And it's interesting, like it's the Vitalogy songs that he really shines on at the show and a lot of them. Like when we did uh you know, I'll go back to we did our little drummer, you know, contest thing you know pick pick this pick the pick a song and pick your favorite drummer on that song a lot of those vitality songs it was jack because that's his era that's his forte that's what he's known for and these songs is just uh, i mean all you can do is just listen to it because it's it says all there need there is to say but it's it's amazing it's a special era and again like you only get a couple of years of jack so this specifically this sound this vibe doesn't continue very often. Look, they they find something else with Matt and they can do something really good with Matt, but no offense, but this song doesn't find its way like like it does in 1995. They are special versions, 100%. So, before getting into Ledbetter, Ed mentions you guys have been through a lot just to get to this fucking show, so thank you all for going through it. If you can make as much noise as you can... (laughs) 
And this is funny because before he even says anything, all he had to say was, "Can you, if you can make noise, and the crowd just goes off the charts. And he's like, make noise for appreciation for the fastback. And like, he has to kind of talk over the crowd <laughs> to make sure that they know exactly what he's trying to tell them. But after he kind of says the fastbacks, the crowd is like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what we're making noise for. Oh, okay, I thought we were making noise for Eddie Vedder. That that that's why we wanted to make noise. Thought- They're gonna close the show with Led Better. No guests for except for Keith, who leaves the house lights on. But it's a very bluesy rendition. I thought the the mid verse solo was unreal. I I don't think I've heard the solo jump out at this early of a show with Ledbetter before because usually it's very it's very standard it's even even slower it's even more bluesy than than this but i thought that 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 mounts it it does yeah i think they were feeding off of that that's for sure yeah that that so that solo was a moment in this is that it is that the show that's the show that is 25 songs from 1995 believe it or not we did them all. So now we got to pick three. After talking about that for all that time, we have to talk about three more or re-talk about it again and picking three moments from this. What would you pick as your top three from the show? Oh, easy. And like, and you, you might, you might be disappointed in me for, for not picking one, but my number three is going to be not for you. Just stellar. Fantastic. Uh, all for all the reasons we talked about number two is immortality and number one's corduroy. I don't think I have what you'd think is in my top three because okay. I, I think it's just there's so much to digest from the show that just jumps at you. And although Brain of Jay is still like fully forming and it's still really interesting to hear its very early stages, and I think it's a highlight in itself just for that, I think the good stuff from this show should not be left off, which is unfortunate because I have two of the same top three. I can't change my top three, but two of the same top three in, in mine. I, my number three is is I Got Shit, but my number two is Not For You, and my number one is Corduroy. Like, those were the songs from this show that absolutely took the songs to just different places. They were able to jam. They were able to extend it. They were able to create something special out of those tracks that you don't hear necessarily. Usually those outros, you know, maybe they'll, they'll do a little bit of something on it, but it felt like they were, they were jumping into new improv territory when they were going in with those two right there. It was phenomenal stuff. Yeah. Which leads me into where we're going to rate this show. So what do you think? Ooh. Um, all the 1995s are going to be high for me. I'm, I'm giving this one a nine and a half. You know, I thought that I was going to end up giving it a nine and a half, and I, I, I don't think I have that extra half in me. I think I, I think I have a nine though, um, and that might be due to some of, I guess, some of the late set stuff, the black that was just kind of there, and the stuff in the encore, like leaving here, that was just a little bit off. Here, here and there, some of those other songs too. Not to take away from any of the other performances that were excellent, that were really, really good. But I am going with my gut and saying that it's a nine for me. Uh, it just didn't have that extra emphasis of being that kind of show. But it was very, very good show, and uh, one that needs to that it needs to be dissected. So maybe somebody should dissect it someday. 
<laughs> we got to do them all. I mean, we'll be back to Salt Lake City at some point. That's right. In the future, <laughs> whether it's whether it's next week or whether it's in <laughs> five years, we'll we'll be back. Trust me, I want to do that first show too. We get some oh, really yeah. good stuff in that first show. So, yeah, that 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 there you have it. Utah gets its day. It's day in the sun. Next week, what are we doing? Jeez, I, it, it it feels like man, we're we're at the end of the year, and we only have a few more episodes left in the year, and and we can really pull anything out and jump to any era we want. But it seems like we're pretty much staying in a very similar era that we're we're in for this. So we are going to do something from a year that we've never touched before. Believe it or not. One year we absolutely haven't touched is 1997. That's because they did five shows. One of them was a surprise show, and the other four were in Oakland opening up for the Rolling Stones. And that's what we are going to do next week. One of those shows where I believe we're going to do the first show. If you want to get a head start on listening to that, that is on YouTube. The full show of that is on YouTube. And it's very interesting because it's it's it, they're playing at a ballpark, they're playing in a stadium, and you would never know by watching the video at all that they were playing at 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 a baseball football stadium there. Kind of a incredible sight, just weird too, just really fucking weird. But yeah, those we, those are unique shows. It's an era that we almost never talk about, and yeah. it's kind of in between things, and, and it'll have a little bit of that kind of like in between no code and yield that we discussed today. So we'll have a little bit of that conversation. It'll go kind of hand in hand in what we were talking about with Given a Fly that's coming out as an evolution episode this Friday. Again, over at Patreon, if you want to join the Patreon, that will be over there for you. And and look at the date calendar wise, it's going to be the 12th on Friday. Do you know why we're putting Given a Fly out on Friday? It's because that's the date of its debut. So we'll be celebrating the anniversary of the debut by doing that. So just wanted to throw that out there. But all of our thoughts are going out to everybody that was involved in the Astroland uh, tragedy this past weekend where, where we know from doing all the research and and being fans for all this time we know how severe a situation like that is and uh we just want to throw it out there that we've been thinking about that we've been thinking about the first thing that both of us thought about when when the when reading the news was holy crap that it's another ross killed and you never want to see that it kind of it kind of shakes you a little bit because you know what the ramifications for it are and uh so anybody that's a fan of that artist that uh, was part of the unfortunate tragedy. And uh, I, we were with you and uh, you know, just hope everybody stays together and just always, always, always keep your mind on safety. Whenever you're at these festival shows, you just never know what's going to happen. There's so many variables. You just have to, have to, have to be safe. So, that's it for the show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week for Oakland. Take care of each other.